What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three fighter pilots who love to get oiled up and play endless games of volleyball with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Commando Johnson, and you can be my wingman anytime. I'm Keith Phantom Baker, and I hope I'm playing shirtless badminton in the next movie. And I'm Austin Reaper Terry, and I hope Tom Cruise never follows me into the bathroom after I refuse his advances. In a movie with a lot of weird scenes, that's the one that I had the most questions about. <laughs> a little bit concerning, Tom. Uh, but of course, on today's show, we'll be discussing, to put it lightly, the long-awaited sequel to Top Gun 36 years in the making with Top Gun Maverick. But before we get to that, guys, I want to ask a question as old as time, and it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Who is responsible, if anybody, for Goose's death? Obviously, Iceman. And it's bizarre to me that the movie they never, never it addresses up. it. And he never even is like, hey, that might have been my fault. He's always like, Maverick, it's OK, buddy. It wasn't your fault. And it's like, yeah, Iceman, because it was your fault. <laughs> yeah, I got stuck in your jet wash because you wouldn't fire the fucking gun. And then just your response was pull up as hard as humanly possible. <laughs> it might also be the American military's fault, because why are we having a high stakes competition for just a trophy. It seems, it's a very weird plot of the movie to me. <laughs> seems a little childish. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, with that, of course, let's get into it, guys. Top Gun flew into theaters in 1986 and made all young men want to join the military and play volleyball with the boys. It launched Tom Cruise into A-list stardom, and even 36 years later, it has retained its iconic status. Questions about whether a sequel would be made were asked going way back to the original release, but it just never came together. In 2010, Paramount Pictures got Tony Scott, the original director, Jerry Bruckheimer, half of the original producing team, and of course, Tom Cruise to come aboard. The sequel remained in development hell, however, after Tony Scott unfortunately and sadly passed away in 2012. Years went by, and eventually, in 2017, Joseph Kaczynski came on to direct, and the cast was slowly assembled. We were originally looking at a June 2020 release date. Damn, that sounds like 15 years ago. But it has been delayed by just about two full years due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Tom Cruise declined offers, actually, to have the film debut on Paramount Plus and streaming in general, declaring this a theater experience. So... Here we are, after a hefty delay, we have finally seen it, and yes, everybody wants to know, Tom Cruise, of course, with a death wish, uh, did his own flying in this. So, let's get into it, Austin and Keith. Uh, I'm actually curious, let me know what you thought of Top Gun, since we haven't really talked about it already. I, for one, had never seen it, and then please let me know your non-spoiler thoughts on Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I had also never seen the original Top Gun. Uh, so, of course, in preparation, I had to check it out for the first time, and I pleasantly enjoyed it. Uh, for me, I don't know if it necessarily lives up to the hype and like iconic level that people who saw this film in the 80s or in their childhood like really loved this film, but I still really enjoyed the movie. I do think there are some weird things around, like, it's just a competition. It's very like unclear what the military conflict is. And moving into Top Gun Maverick, that's my favorite thing about the movie is there's a more clearly defined mission. There's actual real stakes in this film. And I hands down thoroughly enjoyed Top Gun Maverick and found it kind of like what Blade Runner 2049 is to Blade Runner. It just expands the world and tells its own story with some ties to the sequel, but it's really kind of its own original story. Um, I thought all the performances were great. And I usually kind of rarely agree with you got to see it in theaters. It's a theater experience. But I actually think because of like, all the visuals and the flying effects, like this is one you do want to see in theaters for sure. So I'd highly recommend that. I think the continuation of the Goose storyline has some very emotional beats, and I cannot recommend this enough. Um, I think everyone should go see Top Gun Maverick in theaters. Man, I think this was probably my first time watching Top Gun all the way through. I had seen bits and pieces of it as a kid. Um, it's definitely, definitely has that 80s feel to it for sure, with the Danger Zone song coming on. Um, it had a lot of really cringy moments in it, for sure. Um, I, I'm with you, Austin. It's like the first one kind of had like an alpha male like rivalry, kind of like a high school, two good kids slash bullies going against each other. It's kind of what it reminded me of. Going to this new one, it was like totally different. It, like you said, it focused more on like the military side of it and the actual like technicalities of of, of piloting and, and how the planes work and how the G-forces work and like the toll it takes on the bodies to perform all these like crazy maneuvers. I like the fact they actually had like a mission uh, to work towards, whereas the first one, it was kind of just 
blurred of like what they were actually doing. And like they, it was more just exercises that they were doing in the first one. After the movie ended, I was blown away. I was like, that was awesome. Like I, I, I wanted to see it again just to watch watch the piloting scenes again. Like I could skip all the, the story stuff while that stuff was not bad. I mean, definitely had some definitely had some cheesy moments in there, um, some Top Gun moments in there. But um, yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, like I mean, I guess somehow this one missed all of us by because this was also my first time watching Top Gun. I kind of knew all the beats of the story. I knew it was kind of going to happen. I knew Goose was going to die in it just because it's such like a touchstone moment that you hear about. So despite knowing kind of what was going to go down, I really am kind of with you guys. I really enjoyed the original Top Gun. It is a fucking cheese fest. It is so goofy. It is a weird movie, but it's just so enjoyable. I mean, even though the action is kind of a different beast when looking at something like that, it's so fun to watch. And it does have a lot of heart to it. There is a charm and emotional impact to that movie. I mean, I still feel like despite the questions surrounding that we alluded to earlier, whenever a goose dies, I mean, that hits you. That's a really, I mean, like, wow, I did not expect in kind of this weird kind of standard 80s action movie to get kind of this crazy kind of sad moment. Um yeah, so I mean, all in all, really liked the original. Uh was surprised by how much I liked it. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch this again. I'm kind of a Top Gun fan. Um, but despite that, I, I really wasn't excited to go see Top Gun Maverick. Obviously, for the last like two or three years at this point, we've been seeing trailers for it. And, you know, I'm a big Mission Impossible fan. So seeing Tom Cruise do these crazy stunts, I mean, that's cool and all, but it wasn't enough for me to go to the theaters. But whenever we decided to do this... I was like, okay, I'll watch the original, and I did. I was like, oh, wow, I actually kind of like that. I'm kind of excited to go see Maverick now. I got to say, guys, this is a 10 out of 10 movie. I mean, this was incredible. <laughs> I thought this was <laughs> this is like a perfect movie. I, I loved it. It's probably my favorite of the year, without question. Wow. Sorry, Robert Pattinson and the Batman. I love you, but you got outplayed. <laughs> You got outplayed <laughs> by a bunch of oiled up bodies and really funny looking mustaches. <laughs> hey, that Miles Teller stash, though, he's looking good. Pretty good. It was he is pretty looking good. hot. He looks exactly <laughs> like Anthony Edwards also, which was kind of like tripping me out. He looks just like his dad. I, I don't know. That was weird. Um, yeah, I, I love this movie. I mean, I, there's like a little like individual moments here and there that I was like, eh, that was weird. They could have done that differently. But I mean, seriously, it's like from the performances the action, the direction, the way it was shot, the comedy. Like, there's actually, like, moments where I was like, oh, that was really funny. Like, I was like, I was laughing in the theater with everybody else. The emotional impact of this movie. This isn't just an action movie. Watching characters talk about real trauma they've experienced and, like, talking about letting things go and how do you move on and how can you kind of maintain relationships. I mean, it was, like, serious stuff. I mean, there was really great acting here. And it hit me. I got I got Misty three times in this movie. And this is not somebody <laughs> that watched Top Gun in 1986 and has been waiting 40 years to watch the sequel. This was somebody that watched Top Gun three days ago and then watched the sequel right after. And there was like three moments that we'll talk about later that was like, well, I, I, that got me. That was a great moment. So, man, yeah, just like in every aspect this movie worked for me and I was hearing good things going in, but by the time the credits rolled, I was like, wow. Yeah. They just, they outdid my expectations and I had big ones because I kept hearing how good it was. And I really liked the first one after watching it. So yeah. Wow. I mean, I could not recommend Top Gun Maverick enough. And like you said, Austin, you know, we always talk about the theater experience. Like you have Christopher Nolan out there, like trying to make everybody go die from COVID to go see Tenet, which fucking sucked. And then, <laughs> like, what was the point? Tom Cruise played it right. I'm so glad they delayed it. They held off because this has to be watched in the theater. I mean, it was yeah. so fun watching this with people and just having a good time. And it looked incredible. Yeah, Keith, you kind of alluded to like the finale of this movie when they actually execute the mission. And I think the finale alone is worth going to the theaters for. It's, it's kind of easy to compare this one to A New Hope in a weird way with just the way the mission is. And the way it's structured of like what they have to do to take out the Death Star. The finale of this movie is what George Lucas wants A New Hope to feel like. The way the stakes are when they're flying the planes and the way the explosions feel, the way the maneuvers feel. That's what they wanted everything to feel like back then. And the fact that they can do it today was so impressive to me. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting point. I think, you know, what I would say, Austin, is like, I mean, watching A New Hope 
today is so interesting because, you know, we weren't alive when A New Hope came out. And you just think about people being in theaters and watching that moment happen. It must have been incredible. And one of the great things about Star Wars is that you can watch that original movie and you still feel kind of the impact of it. It still feels so cool. It's so well choreographed. It hits hard. And it's just like a big fucking like fist pump moment when Luke, you know, drops the torpedoes in and flies off. I'm shocked that in 2022, we have a movie that does all that while still feeling modern. Like, it's crazy to think about. It's like, in 30 plus years from now, I genuinely think people are going to be watching Top Gun Maverick, not the original, the sequel, and they're going to have those same kind of feelings. Like, it's like the fact that we're comparing that is crazy, but it's a very apt comparison because I was loving the movie. Then that third act hit, and I was like, it was unexpected, big, like shocking moments, and it was just incredible. So the fact that it felt the same way, even though this is like movies that came out 50 years apart is a weird thing to say, but really cool. The finale of this movie might be some of the coolest action scenes I've ever seen on oh, film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's definitely going to go down, like you said, Matthew, as probably a classic of our generation. I think so, too. And it's weird to say that for like a sequel, because we don't get a lot of those. I mean, I know people say this stuff all the time about Tom Cruise, but he's he's the last like dying breed of Hollywood stars. He's He can sell a movie alone and... I think Tom Cruise did it again. Like, he's another reason to go see this movie, too. He's great in it. Um, Everything you like about Cruise in his action movies, you get here. And I think you even get more with some of the emotional beats of the story. You get way more, yeah. I can't recommend this one enough. Well, all right. I always love guys when we're doing a recording where, like, we keep almost mentioning spoilers. Like, oh, no, can't do that yet. So why not? Let's just break the dam. Let's get into spoiler territory. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Anybody out there listening, just curious about our thoughts on Top Gun Maverick, this is a huge recommendation. Not only a recommendation for its quality, but you got to see this in theaters if you can. If you feel good going to the theaters, definitely make it happen. And once you go see it, once you've experienced Top Gun Maverick, come on back. Let's get into spoilers and hear our thoughts. Here we are, guys. Welcome to Spoiler Territory. Cannot wait. God, I cannot wait to talk more about this movie. But of course, to start us off as always, Austin and Keith, how about you hit me up with the cast and crew info? All right. So Top Gun Maverick is directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who is an award-winning director known for his CGI-related television commercials for video games such as Halo, Assassin's Creed, and Gears of War. On the live-action side, you may also know him from Tron Legacy, Oblivion, and Only the Brave. Uh, the movie is written by Aaron Kruger, Eric Warren Singer, and Christopher McQuarrie, who has also worked with Tom Cruise on projects such as Jack Reacher and every Mission Impossible since Rogue Nation. Our score is composed by Herod Faltemeyer, who also scored the first Top Gun, along with Hans Zimmer, Lady Gaga, and Lauren Balfe. All right, and going to our cast, we got Tom Cruise as Pete Mitchell, a.k.a. Maverick, Miles Teller as Bradley Bradshaw, a.k.a. Rooster, Jennifer Connelly as Penny Benjamin, John Hamm as Bo Simpson, a.k.a. Cyclone. Glenn Powell as Jake Saracen, a.k.a. Hangman. Monica Barbaro as Natasha Trace, a.k.a. Phoenix. Lewis Pullman as Robert Floyd, a.k.a. Bob. Charles Parnell as Solomon Bates, a.k.a. Warlock. Jay Ellis as Reuben Fitch, a.k.a. Payback. Bashir Salahuddin as Bernie Coleman, a.k.a. Hondo. And we got Ed Harris as Chester Kane, a.k.a. Hammer. And we got Mr. Val Kilmer returning as Tom Kazansky, a.k.a. Iceman. All right, guys, there's a cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives? What do we got? I got to shout out Miles Teller as Rooster. Uh, The dude is one of my favorite actors working today, and he absolutely brings it in this movie. Um, As good as I think Tom Cruise is, I think Miles Teller steals the show for me. Um, His performance is super emotional. He really embodies Goose like in in a modern era. Um, then he brings his own things to the part as well. So hands down, Miles Teller was my favorite part of the movie. I'll shout out Mr. John Hamm as Cyclone. I really liked his character in this movie. I kind of liked that he was butting heads with Maverick the whole time and kind of questioning his uh, leadership abilities. And I think John Hamm really played the role well. I've really only seen John Hamm in Mad Men, obviously, as Don Draper. So this is probably my only second time seeing him in more of a leading role. And uh, yeah, I think he put on a really good performance and definitely made it believable as like this like hard ass uh, officer. 
I also liked, not a joke, that a lot of people in this movie felt like Iceman. I think in a lot of scenes, Cyclone, John Hamm's character, gives you the Iceman vibes. Obviously, Hangman gives you the Iceman vibes. Even in a lot of scenes, I would say Rooster kind of has that Iceman relationship with with Maverick. And it's kind of a, a cool thing to see, like, you know, this many years later that, like, we're still getting that fun kind of rivalry and they all feel different, which I really enjoyed. It's interesting you say that, Matt, because I don't know if you guys saw this, but I think because of all the buzz it got about, like, Tom Cruise is actually flying the planes in this movie, the military actually came out and the Pentagon put out a statement saying, like, yes, it's our planes and our ships that are in the movie. Despite this not necessarily being a love letter to the military, you don't always have to do that for us to partner with you on your films. Um, and like the hotheads in this movie would never necessarily be pilots in the military. They would be more like people like Iceman who are calm and cool and collected right. and follow orders. So it's kind of interesting that a lot of people feel like Iceman because I think that's how the aviators today would actually be in real life. Well, that's the best thing about Top Gun is that Iceman is the quote unquote bad guy, but Really, he's not. Yes, he's a hothead. He's definitely arrogant. But his big problem with Maverick is that he's dangerous. And he's right. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's a for really sure. dangerous pilot. So, yeah, I kind of like that the characters are like, dude, you're insane. Like, I don't, I don't want to fly with you. Uh, <laughs> Goose is the only one that wants to. He's singing Great Balls of Fire, then bashes his head. In. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, guys. This is – I feel like I'm, I've been saying it a lot more lately. And maybe that's a good sign for content, but I don't even know who to call out here. I mean, we absolutely have to give a director shout out to Joseph Kaczynski. I mean, the directing in this movie is out of control. I love Tron Legacy. People don't like that movie, but I'm telling you guys, there was something there. I knew he could do it. Um, Tom Cruise is great. I, I love what you said, Austin, earlier. I mean... Yes, you get kind of the action hero, Tom Cruise, but you also get a lot of, like, emotional stuff. So I, I thought he was really great in the movie. Uh, if I had, like, one main shout-out, Glenn Powell is someone to watch. Hangman in this movie. This guy is going to be an A-list star. He was the perfect douchebag. I hated him, but I kind of loved him by the end. And that's what I was hoping for. And speaking of that, that's what Iceman was in the first movie. Val Kilmer gets the award for maybe the best scene of the movie. I loved it. I, that was one of the misty-eyed moments. I was getting a little teary-eyed there, and I love they brought Val Kilmer back. So shout out to him as well. I'm actually really surprised Hangman got your shout out. I, I don't have an issue with the performance. I thought Glenn Powell was great in the role, but by the end of the film, I mean, he gets lost completely in the story. Like his only stuff to do in the third act is to sit in his plane and go, can I take off now? I really want to go take off now. Like, it's <laughs> insane. I was really liking this character and I was like, oh, I can't wait for him to come around. And this is the only part of the movie that didn't feel earned to me mm -hmm. is when okay. they're like, shake his hands and like, I'm your buddy now. We're going to, me and Miles are going to do another sequel together. <laughs> like that didn't feel very earned Hangman for me. Hangman and Rooster coming to Paramount Plus. <laughs> Would you guys have been mad if they did the same lines from the first one? Yes. <laughs> you can be my wee man anytime. Bullshit. You can be mine. And they hug. <laughs> well, you've heard our thoughts on the movie, but let's do a quick trip over to the critic territory. So here's what they had to say. Top Gun Maverick received widespread praise and currently has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. But cites critical consensus is Top Gun Maverick pulls off a feat even trickier than a 4G inverted dive, delivering a long belated sequel that surpasses its predecessor in wildly entertaining style. Audiences were just as positive. Those polls over on CinemaScore gave it the very rare A-plus rating, and those on post-track gave it a 96% score, with 86% saying that they would definitely recommend it. Praise was pretty easy to find, I gotta say, and called out specifically Kaczynski's direction, the action sequences, visuals, and performances. Also a high praise, which perhaps audiences and critics were not expecting going in, was for the film's emotional weight. The only negatives I could really find were that the soundtrack did not live up to the original, and some found that, that it was still a pretty cheesy and goofy movie like the original. Obviously, that's going to be pretty subjective for everybody. Personally, I like that it still had some of that feel uh, in some of the scenes. That was kind of fun for me. One of my highlights of the movie is that, for me, it doesn't feel like the original. It doesn't feel as cheesy. It doesn't feel as goofy. Um, it feels a lot more serious and grounded, which is what I really appreciated about the film. Yeah, I think it definitely stands on its own. But then it also has like a, you know, some slight uh stuff from the original uh sprinkled in there here and there. And you still kind of get that 80s vibe from this movie a little bit. I guess the best scene to actually bring up 
is the beginning scene on the aircraft carrier. It's the exact same scene. <laughs> yeah, Danger Zone starts playing, but then it just gets cut off with some like hardcore, like modern day rock. I was like, oh, okay, that's really cool to break away from like the old stuff. I was glad Danger Zone did not have the same presence in this movie as it did in the original. <laughs> I know, it's like every two seconds, the original, you just hear, like, oh no. Well, what about the love? Did you guys miss the love theme, Take My Breath Away? Take my breath away. <laughs> Every Tom Cruise, whenever to go visit his like teacher girlfriend that fell in love with him in five seconds after he invaded her in the bathroom, uh, they play that <laughs> same exact fucking song. <laughs> that Top Gun theme is great, though. Oh, love that theme. It's so good. It's so good. All right, guys. Well, with that, let's go a little bit deeper. I cannot wait to do it. Uh, let's just go ahead and get into our roundtable discussion and break this all down. I guess I'll start us off today. I know usually when we do this show, we try and do maybe plot stuff or character stuff first, but I'm sorry. We're going to get to that, but we're not even going to wait to talk about the action, guys. I want to know what stood out to you, what sequences, what moments, because for me, everything was filmed perfectly. It was thrilling. It was just so much damn fun. So let me know. What were your favorites? I think the thing that stands out to me the most with this one, especially coming right off of the original, is the way they actually film the planes, like in the original, there's a lot of like inner cockpit uh, shots because yeah. it was very hard to track the planes, especially with the technology they had back then. Whereas in this one, it's like wide angles. You can keep track of where everybody is positioned. You can see what the planes are actually doing. And so that felt super cool to me because in the original, I was like, I mean, yeah, this is cool, but I don't really know what's happening. But actually being able to see the see the maneuvers that they're doing and all this crazy stuff was really fun for me. What did you guys think about the... Uh... The beginning scene with him in the supersonic plane. That was trying mine, to get, Keith. Trying yes. To get the 10 Gs. So good. It's so badass. I was glad that was the intro to the movie because I was worried that was going to be like a major plot point of the story from the trailers. And I was like, I don't care about him flying a big plane. Right, like, right. I just want to see him in a, in a fighter jet. So I, I was, that was a great intro, though, to get you back into the world. And the fact that he pulled a classic Maverick and went past the 10 Gs. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got to say, I mean, we're already getting to it, but this was my first misty-eyed moment. I don't care if I sound, you know, like an emotional guy here, but guys, like genuinely, the way they framed the sequence, I thought was just masterful. Like the way we keep seeing Maverick push it, he just keeps up in the G's, he's almost getting to 10 and we know he can't go beyond that, like you said, Keith. And there's just that moment where he, he hits it, like everything stops. And then the kind of the music drowns out for a second. He does that badass curve that we see. And then we go back to the cockpit view. And then the sun kind of starts to peel in, like the light comes into the cockpit. And then the music starts to build up again. And whenever he says, like, talk to me, Goose, I was like, oh, my God, let's go. <laughs> it was just so good. Such a great moment. I mean, I loved it. I loved it. I love the uh, talk to me, Goose line. but. When Rooster goes, talk to me, dad. I was like, that was the worst what? time of the movie. Because it, it just begs questions like, wait, so are you saying that Rooster was privy to information that Maverick always said, talk to me, Goose? So now he's yeah. going to go, talk to me, dad. <laughs> I laughed at that line. Uh, but speaking of that, I mean, Austin or Keith, whenever you guys mentioned that, like, the action is much more legible this time around. That also reminds me of the sequence right after they finish the bombing of the uranium facility. And, like, they do the thing that we know it's going to happen is they pull their hard Gs and they go over the thing and the, the missiles are coming after them. That first moment where it's just cutting back and forth to all the cockpits and, like, break right. You got somebody on your tail. Like, it's cutting, like, very – it's, like, it's scary. Like, the stakes are built up so well. Like, yeah. Anybody could have died there. This movie does a great job of, like, making you think that anybody can die, including Maverick, because when he takes that hit for Rooster, I was like, oh, my God, they just killed Maverick. And I guess, you know, the end of this movie is going to be about Rooster. Like, I genuinely felt that because I guess the movie did a good job of setting that up as a possibility. It should be, like, frantic and jarring, but somehow I think the editing is perfect in this movie because you're right, Matt. The way you cut from cockpit to cockpit and then you're cutting outside and seeing the planes, like, diverging missiles and stuff like that, it should feel, like, insane and chaotic and hard to track, but it's not at all. And I think it's because you spend so much time uh, with the training mission. And I think comparing this to the original, that's the smartest thing they did was give pilots an actual mission to train for. So how did the overall just, like, mission and training work for you guys? That's kind of our main driving plot line of the movie. Oh, man, I loved it. I just loved, like, 
the explanation of everything as far as like the technicality of the planes, the force that these that the uh, the G forces play on the body, and the way the way uh, they had Maverick describe it was perfect. And then when you go into those scenes when they're pulling up and it's like all these G's going on their bodies. It was, you could just like it felt like you were in the plane, like when you're watching this movie, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Because he was he was saying like, "Once you pull up, it's going to be two thousand pounds of pressure on your lungs. You're not going to be able to breathe. You're going to start blacking out immediately, and you have to fight that." And yeah. so the whole time you're just feeling that like they have to perform this job where they have crazy accuracy while also blacking out at the same time. And then immediately after you're supposed to be done, quote unquote, blacking out, is that's the moment that the missiles are going to start firing yeah. on you. <laughs> yeah, then your awareness has to go through the roof. Yeah, I, I loved it too. I, I, I'm so in agreement. I, like While I did love the original Top Gun, Austin and I were talking about it, Like I think before Austin had watched it, and I was laughing because it's just like, it is comical, like who the villains in the original Top Gun are. And the third act of that movie. Yeah. Like the way the, the naval conflict it's just like shoehorned in yeah, there they like just it's say, like oh sorry guys sorry to interrupt your graduation but there's a conflict and it's like oh okay i guess it's not a big deal and it turns out it's like a like a war level big deal <laughs> but it <laughs> yeah. doesn't seem like it <laughs> yeah it it is goofy as hell and let, let, let's be fair in this movie it still is the fact that they never named this rogue nation if you want to call that like who are they fighting here i don't, I don't know i guess russia because it's cold there, it was my assumption. But who the hell knows? But centering the story around one mission was such a good choice. And it led to moments that I was not expecting from that. Because like you said, Keith, it shouldn't have been fascinating just listening to Maverick like talk about the mission and how it should work. But it really was. And then by the time we get to Iceman has passed, John Hammond's Cyclone has taken over. And he's like, sorry, Maverick, you're out. He talks to Penny and she's like, you got to show them how it works. And he's like, all right. And then he is just like, you know what? I'm getting in my own plane. I'm going to show them that this mission parameter is possible. And he just owns it. It's so good. And if they had not had like a consistent, like like a well set up, just a singular mission, that moment wouldn't have really meant anything. So, yeah, I, I think centering that around it instead of just like in the original where it's like, hey, guys, we're on our exercise missions. And then randomly twice in the movie, we just get attacked like. From where? Where are you guys flying? How are you getting attacked here? Just doing it this way was so much better and much appreciated. The fact that Tom Cruise sees his mission as not just to succeed the mission, but to make sure that these pilots can then go home, whereas Cyclone just wants to complete the mission no matter what the cost of life would be. Setting that up very early on and then having Tom Cruise doing all this training and doing it in a way that this is the only way to fly this mission that may give these guys a chance to make it home those stakes really worked for me and it made everything feel so much more tense. Even the training feels tense because they're on such a tight window to nail this and none of them can do it without Maverick's direction. Yeah, it was just so cool how like the differences that Cyclone and Maverick had warranted why they needed Maverick to be the leader in this mission because Maverick is willing to break the rules because Cyclone had all these parameters. They can't go below a 3,000 foot altitude when training and Maverick's like, why? The mission's going to have is going to have them flying below a 100 foot ceiling. So why would we not be training that way? The written request to lower the ceiling was so funny. We got to work on your timing, Maverick. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I mean, even just like on a simpler level, it feels like, hey, even this movie is coming out 40 years later, it is a sequel. So it's like, yeah, I believe even though Maverick was like this hothead, arrogant kind of douchebag in the first movie, in the sequel, the idea of him kind of disagreeing with Cyclone, like you said, Keith, and he's like, Yes, I want to accomplish the mission. I know that's our job, but we have to get these people home. I mean, that's the perfect evolution from the first movie because his biggest regret and like the most guilt he feels as this movie hits on is Goose's death. Even though he got cleared from any wrongdoing, he still feels like all the guilt for it. And watching him like, no, I'm sorry. Like, we got to save everybody is like such like a, a fun turn because Maverick was not like that in the first movie until Goose died. And seeing him now, it's like, I'm, I, I'll fuck up the mission. I'll prove it's possible because I have to get everybody home. And I love that. How do you guys feel once Mavic proving the mission is possible resulted in him being named team lead? Like, were you excited to see him maybe having to hand over the reins to his pilots and trust them to do it? Or were you glad that he actually ended up involved in the final mission? Yes, I was like fist pumping. Like they kept saying, sorry, Maverick, you can't fly. That's not what we want you to teach. Whenever they gave him the clearance to fly, it was like, hell yeah, let's go for it. 
Yeah, I was actually getting a little frustrated because even when they're training, like he's clearly still proving he's the best pilot in the room. So the whole time I was like, this is stupid. Just let him fly the mission. And then when he actually got to it, I was like, all right, all right, Top Gun Maverick, you redeemed yourself for me. All right. Yeah. So let's get into kind of a, a different side of the story. So for me, at least, and I think for many people, a big part of the emotional core uh, comes from the Maverick and Rooster relationship, since it is, of course, the continuation of the Goose, like his death storyline. So, I mean, what would you guys think of that? Did it work for you? Kind of the chemistry between Maverick and Rooster and like the performances and all that? Did you like the story? Hit me with that, because that's a huge part of the movie. Yeah, I will say I, I didn't really get anything from the goose death in the original. It just didn't really hit me. I actually thought it was kind of goofy. It just cuts to the general and he just goes, goose is dead. It's like, oh, all right. That part of it's weird, yeah. Yeah. Um, the fact that it gave us this Rooster Maverick relationship really hit for me. Um, especially the fact that Maverick is kind of still dealing with his guilt and he pulls his papers from the Naval Academy, which causes Rooster to resent him. Even though a lot of the history is off screen. The how it plays into the movie really worked for me. And you, and you do kind of buy both sides of, of where they're coming from, where Maverick just wants to protect him for his mother, but Rooster wants to kind of follow in the footsteps of his father, and he resents Maverick for taking four years of his career away. Um, it was great. It could have been goofy, but I think the performances really helped make the story kind of shape out in the movie. At first, I thought they were going to have Rooster not even know that Maverick flew with his dad or something like that. I thought it was going to be kind of unknown to him. And then that later on, Maverick was going to introduce himself and tell him about his dad and all that. And then he would have been like, wow, you're the guy that tickled me on the piano. Great balls He's a great balls guy. <laughs> 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 um, but then, like you said, Austin, they had all this like off-screen history. Yeah, with pulling the papers and all that for four years. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I loved about it. Because in any other movie, they would have introduced this element where like, you know, Miles Teller, as, as Rooster comes in, he's like, he's pissed off at uh, Maverick. And like they, they did that in this movie. And I was like, OK, here they go. Rooster hates Maverick because Maverick was flying when Goose died. And of course, yes, Maverick has some blame for that incident. No doubt about that. But that's not the point. Any other movie would have been like, you killed my dad. You should have been better. And it's like, I guess we couldn't disagree with that. But the thing that's great, like you guys said, is they actually introduce this other element. Like, no, they actually have a history. Rooster clearly, I mean, does not blame Maverick, like, I think actually for killing his father. Like, he's sad that his father died, but he's mad at Maverick because he grew up with this guy. This guy clearly took him under his wing. Rooster's like, I want to fly. Maverick seemingly was okay with that. But then once he gets to the opportunity to go to the Naval Academy, he's like, sorry, can't go. It's like, Jesus, that fucking sucks. But then, like you said, there's an other side to the story wherever he's laying in bed with Penny Benjamin and he's like telling her what happened. And it's like it's so sad because you kind of get it, too. And he's like, I did it because before his mother died, she made me promise to not let him fly. Like, I didn't want to do it, but I felt like I had to. And he's like, I can't remember the exact line, but he had an amazing line where he was like, he already lost a father. I wanted him to resent me. I wasn't going to let him resent his mother or something like that. And I thought that was so good. Yeah, um, that was great. So, yeah, I love that relationship because it could have been so basic and simple, like, you killed my dad. Fuck you. But it's like, no, there was actual depth to it, which I loved. And then, of course, the thing that's great about it is, you know, by the end of the movie, not totally unpredictable, but they do become, you know, I guess friends. Is that the right term? I don't know. But they're they're on a, they're on good terms. One of the best things about this movie is that going into this, just think about this, because it was something I was thinking about like immediately after I left, is like Top Gun is all about Maverick and Goose. Goose dies. And then they announce a sequel coming out 40 years later. And it's like, oh, Miles Teller is playing Goose's son. It just seems so obvious that at some point in the movie, Maverick is going to have to fly with Rooster and it's going to feel like Maverick and Goose back together again. And somehow... This third act of this movie comes out of nowhere where it's like, hey, guys, you like Top Gun? Well, how about we take you out of the planes? We're doing behind enemy line shit. And I was like, oh, my God. I had no expectation of that. I wanted more from this sequence, though. I wanted more from it, too. But it doesn't, it doesn't stop the fact that whenever they steal an enemy plane, Maverick hops in and then Rooster hops in and they shut the canopy. It didn't hit me until that moment where it's like, oh, my God, Maverick and... Goose's son. Somehow, like the most predictable thing in the world seemed like this really earned and fun moment. And that's such a cool element of the movie. And yeah, the fact that they ended on good terms, like, 
you saved my life. No, you saved mine. It's what my dad would have done. They hug. It's cheesy, but I loved it. Yeah, when the canopy closes and you realize like, oh, Maverick and Goose back together. You can't help but smile when that happens. It's awesome. Uh, I will say when they got shot down, I think it's called E&E, like Escape and Evade. And they get shot down and I was like, oh shit, they're going to be getting hunted. They're going to have to like hide and escape and evade through the woods. I was like, this is going to be awesome. They're really going to, we're going to see their bond form right. on screen. And then the next scene is them just walking onto the runway That's and getting into a plane. And I was like, well, <laughs> it was a little easy. if you got to cut something down, I guess it's a flying movie, get them back in the air. But I was like, man, this is going to be sweet. And then right back in the air. I know. I thought I was like, are we about to see Tom Cruise pull out a pistol and start like shooting people? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> That'd be crazy. But despite that, we do get Tom Cruise's infamous run. Who who would have thought that coming into a Top Gun movie whenever he's running through the, the forest? <laughs> it's like, oh my God. <laughs> This guy's running 30 miles an hour. <laughs> Were you guys expecting a, a Tom Cruise death right there when the helicopter came up on him? That's such a good thing about this movie. The stakes are so well presented. And in a movie like this, like, like let's compare it to Mission Impossible. They're making like the seventh movie now and then they're making another eighth movie. Ethan Hunt, in my opinion, is never going to die. You, like, you just don't. There, there are stakes in those movies, but you never feel like he is in actual danger. I don't know what they did differently in this movie. I'll have to think about it more. But like genuinely, whenever like um, Rooster runs out of his countermeasures and he can't protect himself and fucking uh, Maverick just pulls his plane up and blocks the shot and explodes. I was like, he just died. I thought he was dead there. I was not expecting him to wake up in the snow again. And to your point, Keith, whenever then the helicopter pulls over and finally has him, I was like, he's he's now he's actually dead. And then later, when they show up with like the third enemy pilot, whenever Rooster's in the back and it's like, we have no ammo, we have no guns, no missiles, nothing. Like Hangman saved them. But in that moment too, for the third time, I was like, they're fucked. And they have that beautiful moment where Tom Cruise is like, when he's like, oh my God, he's like, Rooster, you have to eject. And he's like, it's not working. And he, and he just says to the camera, like, I'm sorry. I thought he was like going to force eject Rooster and then fly his plane into the other oh, plane. I thought that too. The point being, there was three clear times in this movie where I genuinely thought he was going to die. This isn't like a Mission Impossible where it's like, oh, he's, you know, getting in a fight. He might lose. He might die. I never think that. This movie actually made me feel like, you know, Maverick could die. He didn't, but I still felt it. And that was pretty meaningful i thought i think the reason for that feeling is it goes back to the the mission training is they spend two hours of the movie telling you how dangerous this mission is showing you how dangerous this mission is and then when you're actually flying the final mission you know they're outgunned you know they're in inferior planes so i think all that just really adds to the stake and really makes you believe that anybody on this team can die and some of them probably will not make it home from this mission were you guys expecting at least one of the guys to die I thought Phoenix and Bob were going to bite the dust at some point. In a weird way, I liked that nobody did because it kind of felt like, oh, this is cool. Maverick accomplished what he wanted to do, which was save everybody. Realistically, somebody probably should have died, but I'm, I'm kind of I think it worked that nobody did in a weird way. So we mentioned some of them there, but let's get into the rest of the supporting cast and how they're kind of using the story. Um I particularly want to talk about Hangman here. I know he does kind of fill that Iceman villainous role of the movie. I thought the first half was great from this character, and then he just kind of comically gets lost in the third act. I don't think his reconciliation with the rooster was particularly earned in this film, just because you don't really see it happen. Everything in the first half I thought was great, but Hangman is the only character in this story that ended up really not working for me. Yeah, he was interesting, because I was trying to figure out his whole style with flying and all that. They said that he didn't. He would abandon his uh, his uh, wingman, yes. but he wasn't dangerous. Yeah, he wasn't dangerous, but he would. But he would do his own kind of solo flying and not really. Which Maverick did in the original. That was like his yeah. thing. He he would abandon his wingman to get the mission done. Seems like he just wanted credit yeah. for everything. I guess he was really trying to just like alpha up on um, uh, Rooster, and he was making fun of Rooster in the bar. You're good at flying, but you run out of fuel and all that kind of stuff, I, which I didn't get any of that, what he said. Like, I think it was just that he has yeah, a that was all the time. Maybe. Yeah, he's too safe. But he's definitely in no way as dangerous as Maverick was in the first Top Gun. No, no. Yeah, I mean, for me it worked, but I, I, I hear what you guys are saying, that there are definitely holes in kind of the rationality of it. Um, I really like Glenn Powell as Hangman. I thought he was fantastic. 
And it's also weird because the story supports it, right? Because at the end, or before, I guess I should say before the end, whenever they've set up like there's 12 pilots, uh, Maverick, you got to pick six of them for the mission. It's like, and now you're one of them. It's like, oh, okay. And then whenever he's picking everybody, it's like, okay, the person he's supposed to pick now is Hangman to fly this mission. And then he says Rooster. And it's like, obviously, that's because he trusts Rooster. He wants to, you know, make that work. Um, and that's a great moment that he's like putting trust in him. But then you're right. While that's a great moment, it still kind of works out weirdly for Hangman, who then ends up just like sitting in a jet for the entire third act and then shows up because I guess he took off on his own volition. I don't know if like Cyclone told him to. He never saw that. He just takes off and ends up saving them. So it ends up kind of falling a little bit in the third act for sure. But I did like the story reasoning of it's like, Clearly, I'm supposed to take Hangman, but I'm going to take Rooster instead. I like that, but it does kind of make Hangman not work as well in the end. I thought when you see the military realize that, oh, Rooster and Maverick are in a stolen jet, they're headed towards us. I thought they would scramble the rest of the pilots to get them involved in the final fight instead of having them just sitting there. Right. So the cut to just Hangman shows up and destroys the final plane, that just didn't feel earned to me because that was the only like predictable moment of the movie for me, I felt like. Would have been cool if like every pilot that we had saw earlier, like the other six that didn't make the cut, if they had just like, fuck it, like they had all taken off somehow, that would have been kind of cool, yeah. Or I thought they were going to like pull a Maverick and just take off without despite the fact that Cyclone said no, like, I thought something was coming from that. We came together as a team. Hangman's our leader. We're going to follow him. But there's a ways there. to do this. But instead, it's just like a very weird cut. It did lead to a great line where it's like, Rooster's like, oh, it's so good to see you. And he's like, Rooster, I'm good. I always look good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. But then I don't think they needed to do the Iceman Maverick from the original handshake at the end. That felt a little good. That wasn't earned at all. <laughs> that was like one of the few moments that was not earned. I'm glad it didn't hug like the original, but the fact that they, they shook hands, I think, was fine. But it, it, it was a, I don't know. I mean, it was a fine moment, but it, it just felt a little bit strange. I, I loved like the final uh, Maverick and Rooster moment, but like having Hangman there was a little bit goofy. <laughs> On the topic of Hangman and um, Rooster having their handshake at the end, I guess it's a callback to, you know, Iceman and Maverick's handshake. Do y'all think they had some forced moments in here, like trying to call back to the first one, like the sweaty shirtless football scene? Yes. <laughs> yes, Keith, I did. And the volleyball in the original. I was like, what are we doing here? Like, they just wanted an oiled up Tom Cruise on screen. In the beach football game, I'm like, oh. They just wanted an oiled up Miles Teller on screen. Let's take those six minutes and give it to Hangman defying orders and taking off on the carrier to go save him. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that part of it, but it's still the weird thing. It's like the volleyball game in the original is iconic, but it makes no sense. Maverick is playing a volleyball game and then he immediately finishes and just is like, oh, I have to go to my date that he already set a time for. He was supposed to be there at 530. <laughs> he just puts on a jacket and drives there. Walks in, the first thing he says is, can I take a shower? It's like, what? <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> what are you talking I think, about? I mean, Maverick may have a bathroom kink because he wants he follows her into that bathroom in the original mm. and then he just immediately wants to go check out her bathroom in her house. Are we uh, are we predicting a future creepy pee pee reward? Maybe I don't know about a future one. I think he already got it. <laughs> I think he I think he earned it. Iceman got the Top Gun trophy and Maverick got the creepy pee pee trophy. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so like the volleyball stuff is totally goofy. It's like, what is really the point of this? At least the new one had a point where it's like team building. And I love like the throw in like line there of like they're playing offense and defense at the same time. So there was at least a point. So they made that version of the scene better. It was still goofy. I'd still love to see like you said, Austin, like a few minutes devoted to like hangman defying orders or something like that. But I still ended up kind of liking it. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy seeing Miles Teller oiled up because he looked good. <laughs> of course, of course. Do you think that dance move he did where he kind of like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. He kind of like falls back, shakes his arms. Is that like the new thing, do we think? Are kids going to be doing this at prom? I think he's playing air guitar, which pretty cool. he probably should be playing air piano because he just loves he to loves play piano. Balls of Fire God, like his father. What a song. Rainbows of Fire. Shut the fuck up, Goose. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you guys feel about the Penny and Maverick relationship in this one? Loved it. I thought it was awesome. I really liked the, the scene where he, he's sneaking out of the house. 
my theater, I don't know about you guys, but like the theater like erupted and like laughter whenever he falls. And then like the daughter's like, oh, but then like they don't even wait for the joke, like to laugh, like like immediately she's like, don't break her heart again. Then everybody immediately stopped laughing. I was like, oh, shit. Like, fuck. Like, that was yeah. a good moment. Like, it was a really <laughs> cool like theater moment. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like their relationship. Um, just the idea, you know, Penny Benjamin was mentioned in the first movie as the Admiral's daughter. That he had, you know, had some type of relationship with and seeing them come back together and there's like this history there. It's like every time he comes back, they seemingly try and it doesn't work. And now he's like committed to making it happen. And she's like, well, why this time? So they just had such great chemistry that it's like, okay, they can't get the timing right. But I I really enjoyed it. I felt like, you know, the classic 80s thing with uh, Kelly McGillis as Charlie in the first one is just that. It's not that they didn't have chemistry. It's just that she says, I love you a few scenes in. And it's like, this is so bad. This is just goofy and stupid. She says, I love you after he's being a child and storming out of the classroom. It's so bad. This movie actually felt kind of real. And also, I'm not trying to make a joke, but in the first movie, they play Take My Breath Away during a very classic 80s erotic sex scene where Tom Cruise's only move is to like just stick his tongue into her mouth. There was so much there... tongue. Um, <laughs> no. but it was insane. But here it's like, oh, no, are they setting it up for a sex scene? I'm scared. And then like genuinely, it just becomes like this. They clearly had sex, but then. They're just kind of laying in bed and talking together. And we get these great moments where it's like, so why did you pull Rooster's, you know, papers from the Academy? And like, he tells it, I promised his mom. Like, it's like, wow, what a, what a cool moment. And so, yeah, I thought their relationship was fantastic. Loved their chemistry. Yeah, the relationship, the chemistry, the performances, all that I thought was great. I will say I was confused as to who this character was. I wasn't sure. Because in the first one, um, Charlie's call sign is just her call sign. I forget what her actual name is, but Charlie is like a nickname. So I was like, is this just Charlie, who's like 40 years later or whatever? Um, I didn't catch that this was like the Admiral's daughter they kept referencing or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, obviously that was great to see. Another thing that we kind of mentioned briefly earlier that was so fantastic, I I, I really loved it, got a little misty-eyed, uh, was, like we said, it was the Iceman and Maverick reunion. I thought this scene was so great. Uh, seeing Maverick, kind of the idea, like we said earlier, it's like Cyclone doesn't like Maverick, but he allows him to be here because Iceman, who he respects, is vouching for him. And throughout the movie, they're kind of texting. They're, you know, Iceman's kind of giving him validation. It's like, I understand things with Rooster must be hard, but, you know, just keep pushing through. You're going to make it work. And then eventually, you know, he has to go see him in person. And it was kind of goofy, I'll be honest. Like seeing them texting, like in my head, I was like, look, I understand Val Kilmer has been dealing with throat cancer and dealing with that. But are they just doing this because they can't film with them? Like, it's kind of goofy. But then whenever he shows up at his house and they have this amazing moment where he walks into the study and Iceman is using his computer to communicate. I was like, wow, that really kind of retrospectively makes those texts feel so much more important. And the moment they have just... Like whenever he's just telling him how to kind of deal with Rooster, Maverick is like actually breaking down. Tom Cruise has a very great emotional moment there. And then watching them both stand up, you get Iceman kind of, you know, he speaks to him and they have not only a serious moment, but then it ends with a very funny moment where it's like, so who was the best pilot? You or me? And they have a good laugh about it. Like, what a great scene. Totally stood out for me. I mean, what'd you guys think? I thought the scene was great. Very emotional. Um, originally I wasn't sure if this was just in here just to get Val Kilmer in the movie, Yeah, you, you know, like I wasn't sure if it was just like, oh, we got to get Iceman in there just to tie back to the original. But the fact that this story and Iceman's death in the film actually has a larger impact on the movie and causes Cyclone to then take over the class. Like the fact that it meant something to the movie was what really worked for me as opposed to just like, oh, it's great to see Iceman again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it definitely hit home for me. It was definitely yeah, emotional. Like you said, I don't think I've ever really... I've seen Tom Cruise get pretty emotional in other movies, but I think it had been a while. So like to see him cry was pretty, pretty amazing. And then the fact that they hug at the end, you can, you can, you can feel the moment. And you know, from what I heard, I hope I'm not starting rumors here, but from what I heard, Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise did not get along always on the first Top Gun set. So it's kind of cool if they had differences. I'm sure they put him aside now, 30 years later. Yeah, I'm not sure about that specifically, but I do know that apparently Val Kilmer did not want to be in the original Top Gun. Like Maybe that's like, it. Oh, I don't want to do this movie, but it just kind of 
fell into his lap and he did it. And of course, it ended up doing great things for his career. And he went on to great stuff in the 90s and early 2000s. But regardless, Keith, like the fun thing is like, you know, if they didn't get along, Tom Cruise was the one that was like, I don't care what Val Kilmer's going through. He has to come yeah. back. He has to be in the movie. We're going to figure out a way. So that, that that's sweet to hear for sure. I mean, without Top Gun, Val Kilmer doesn't get Batman. I'm sure he regrets that. <laughs> <laughs> so now that Maverick has survived, he's he's getting older, but he's still, you know, he's still young at heart and he's still a great pilot. Do we think we're going to see more of Maverick? Or is it, is is there going to be a new series with maybe Rooster taking over the reins? What do you guys think is going to happen? Or or is that it? Top Gun Maverick is the closeout to the Top Gun series. I mean, with that goofy hug at the end, I felt like they were definitely setting up a Rooster and Hangman sequel for the franchise. Um, just given Maverick's age, I, I think if they did another one, it's just be goofy at this point if he's like still flying planes. Because at some point in the military, you do age out. Um, I think Maverick has aged out already, and they made exceptions for this mission. With how good Miles Teller was in this movie, I think I'd be down to see a spinoff, but I'm not sure if anybody in this like cast and crew is dying to make a sequel. I think this would be like a studio thing. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, this movie has been out for, what, three days now? It has already made over $250 million. There's no way they don't make something with this studios need their money they need their money i understand they waited 40 years to make this one but this just seems different this just seems like this is hitting at the right time people are loving this movie critics are loving it um tom cruise i know right now is filming mission impossible 8 like the the part two or whatever but there's no way they're gonna say all right tom come back for top gun 3 after this and he loves flying i guess so i don't see why not i think they are kind of without trying setting up a sequel like another one as for what's gonna happen i don't know obviously like you guys said it seems obvious that maybe maverick should either die or retire at some point almost kind of like how rocky has been phased out of the creed movies from they've said he's not going to be in creed 3 so maybe something like that where you know you kind of position miles teller's rooster to be the main lead and then you know just slowly you know maverick just phases out or whatever but yeah going into this i thought this was going to be the end like you said keith but with how successful this is both financially and critically like i think we're in for like a top gun sequel within the next maybe like five years at most i would say yeah, I was just going to say, I, I want to see more. I mean, and I'm not saying we, we have to have uh, Tom Cruise's Maverick be in it, um, but I want to see more with this kind of like filmmaking with these planes and the action. I think they'd have to be very careful with the story because we've seen mm. so many spinoffs to these classic films yeah. that just bomb. I trust Miles Teller. I trust this crew. So if they can do the right story, I'd be down to see it. Um, Keith, you mentioned like seeing this type of filmmaking with the real planes and everything. Do you want to guess how much it costs per hour for the production crew to rent these planes? I'm going to guess $3 million per hour. It can't be that much, right? I don't know. Maybe like maybe like ten grand. Ooh, Matt is actually almost spot on. It was eleven grand an hour to use these planes and these carriers. Wow, that's actually that's cheaper than that's I thought crazy. it was going to be. That does, does seem low. Yeah, yeah that is interesting to hear you guys' thoughts on that, because like my thing is, I mean, would a spinoff be cool? Yeah, but I don't really want that. Like, I genuinely feel like we're going to get like a straight up sequel. Like, I still think Maverick is going to be the lead character. And I think obviously this same team is going to come back and we're just going to get like another mission, another story, like bigger stakes, something crazy is going to happen. But yeah, I, I do feel like Tom Cruise would come back for this based on the success and like what he clearly likes to do movie wise and what he likes to film he likes to fly so i think he'll come back and and this we're just gonna feel so goofy because yeah, it, it felt very natural in this one of like you've been a captain for years like why why aren't you promoted why aren't you an admiral and he's like this is the only thing i want to do at some point that that story is just not going to make sense for this character like just the reality of his age and everything just it felt good for this one he's the only one that can train for them i don't know how many times you can tell me that to where it gets to the point where i'm like this is stupid he's too old to be in these jets yeah i think you got one more in you he either dies or he retires. I don't think there's any other option. No in-between there. Think about like the team in the first movie. It's like all we cared about was Maverick, Goose, Iceman, and Viper. Whereas this one, we have like a solid six people that were at least like, yeah, they, I like their personality. They were fun to watch. I enjoyed them. So it's like, like you said, the way Hangman comes at the end is really goofy, but that did feel like sequel bait to me. 
whenever he's like been benched and then he like saves them and then they land and shake hands. It's like they're clearly setting up like a, you know, relationship to some degree between Hangman and Rooster in a sequel. But like I said, I, I still think Maverick's going to be there, but we'll see. I just think this has been so successful, like money wise, and people love it so much. I, I mean, we're going to get more Top Gun, I feel like, pretty soon. So what shirtless, oiled up sport are they going to be playing in the sequel? <sighs> I'd like to see some competitive mini golf. I said it in my intro, Batman. I think ping pong, but for some reason it's going to be on the beach. The wind's just going to be blowing the ping pong balls away. Yeah, but that's how good you are. You got to, you got to, you know, prepare for that wind. Well, the slow motion scene is going to be them shirtless sprinting after the ping pong exactly. balls. Exactly. And that's when danger zone hits. <laughs> no, that's when great balls of fire. <laughs> oh, no, not again. <laughs> 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 all right guys well let's start to close out here uh this has been a great conversation i've had a lot of fun with you but before we fully close out of course it is time for the arnie's podcast awards this is our segment where we just shout something out you know we give an award to something could be positive could be negative it's just the one thing that we singularly want to praise from this film guys who wants to start today i'm going to give the please help award and it's to the rules of the football game they're playing on the beach. Please help me, Maverick. I don't understand the rules. You said they're both playing offense and defense. I don't know how that works. I need help understanding the rules of this game. Wasn't wasn't Cyclone asking about the rules, too, when he walked up? Yeah, and Maverick was, like, too drunk. He was like, oh, fucking <laughs> They're playing offense and defense at the same time. I don't know what to tell you. My girlfriend Peggy's yeah, back there. Yeah, Penny was right behind him, and lawn. she kept bringing him shots from the bar. He's <laughs> like, oh, okay, I'll take another one. <laughs> Does he live in an airport hangar, by the way? The answer seems to point to yes. He sleeps in a plane <laughs> cockpit. <laughs> I want to see the sequel when Maverick's in his 90s in this airplane hangar. Just crazy. Just a crazy old man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the, the funniest text message exchange award. And that goes to Iceman and Maverick. It was just so funny and dry. Like... And the fact that he had him saved in his phone as ice. Oh, <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> and then, like, the text message was just so, like, dry. Like, like you could have warned me. Would you have come? I need to see you. I can't. I wasn't asking. And then it just cuts to him being at his house. I'm too busy training Goose's bastard. <laughs> uh, my award is, of course, for the best job security. And it goes to Maverick. If anybody knows this guy and you work in the Navy or the Air Force, like, you know. You're good. You can be in Hondo's position and be about to lose your job whenever Ed Harris shows up. And it's like, oh, you know Maverick? Yeah, you know, before he gets there, I'll, I'll fly Mach 10. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, If you know this guy, you're set for life. You're never going to lose a job because he's always going to prove that he can make it happen because he has the need for speed. I did like that line of, you know what happens if you do this? And he says, I know what happens if I don't because he cares about the people running these tests. That was a good one. I like that. Well, with that, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that, so we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well, even if you don't want to write anything. Leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back for real this time <laughs> next tuesday for our conversation on season four part one of stranger things these episodes are long so we need a little extra time to take it all in and digest it how are you guys feeling i'm excited i'm upset part two is only two episodes but what we're what we're getting so far i'm enjoying it i'm definitely gonna have to go on youtube and watch like a recap of season three yeah i just watched the recap like attached to like the show once you start it and i gotta say after going through like the first few episodes i was like that was not enough yeah <laughs> I, I needed more i do not remember because forgive me it's been like three years and these kids are all in high school and they look 28 <laughs> <laughs> will byers looks terrible <laughs> he has the same haircut <laughs> he has the same haircut and face on like a seven foot body it's terrifying <laughs> oh boy it's gonna be a fun one i'm looking forward to it all right. Well, last week, we also did put out our thoughts on the new Paramount Plus original, the Halo series. And uh, spoiler alert, we're in the minority, but all three of us loved it. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that, be sure to go check that out. Lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of Top Gun Maverick? Will Mav ever get promoted beyond Captain? Is Rooster destined to bash his head on the canopy and die? 
Anything you say we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. This has been a crazy Memorial Day weekend, guys. We have Top Gun Maverick, Stranger Things, Obi-Wan. So much to talk about. We're going to hit all those on the podcast coming up in the next few weeks. So look forward to it. And always remember, always remember, you can be my wingman anytime. Highway to the danger zone. (laughs) 